Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be looking at the last week of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ during Passion Week. Here's the first half of a two-part study. And so just remember as we dive into these events, the, the Jewish calendar is different than uh, our calendar. They start their day at 6 p.m. So uh, as we get into this, uh, I just hope that we'll be reading a lot of scripture tonight. And so hopefully it'll help you. So that way, if you're trying to explain somebody what was happening during the last week of Jesus's life, you'd be able to explain that, talk about it, uh, share it. And so that's really what we're doing tonight. So I I gave y'all Mark chapter nine, verse 30 and 32 last week on Sunday that says that we went on from there and passed through Galilee and he did not want anyone to know for he was teaching his disciples man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and when he is killed after three days he will rise but they did not understand saying they were afraid to ask him now we get more information as we we look at the book of Luke in Luke chapter 19 verses 41 and in uh, uh, 42 it says and when we drew near and saw the city he wept over it so this is after he comes through the triumphal entry all right so in, in Luke chapter 19 right after he gets done with the triumphal entry remember he's he leaves the the temple and it says in, in Luke 19:41, and when he drew near and saw the city he wept over it saying what they would even had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from their eyes. And so it's a, it's a conditional statement. It goes back to the book of Daniel, which we talked about in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Jesus is coming, and they should have known. They should have known. It was in the prophecy. It was in the book of Daniel, and they missed it. This is also when Jesus curses the fig tree, Right? He curses the fig tree, and you're like, why did he curse the fig tree? Well, the fig tree is beautiful. It had leaves producing fruit, but it wasn't doing that. And, and it, it's a picture of Israel when, it, when he looks at that fig tree. It looks good, but there's nothing, you know, that, that brings fruit. And then the next day when they come to that tree, what happens? That tree is dead to the root. It's rotted. And that's a picture of what's going to happen to Israel. So when Jesus weeps over the city, he's weeping because they missed it. They missed it. It was in the book of Daniel and they missed it. 
And he knows what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And he weeps. In verse, uh, in verse 43 in, in Luke 19, it says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another uh, in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now remember, you have two to three million people that are screaming out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And you have the humble king who's weeping over Jerusalem. And they're missing this. It's one of the greatest tragedies in, in our history is because they miss the Messiah. They missed it. And he was weeping over the city. And we know that, that Jerusalem eventually is, is decimated by the Roman Empire in A.D. 70. Just as Jesus said. There was a pastor in Chicago that was looking out of his window and he started weeping over the inner city tragedies that had been happening. And one of the other pastors came up to him and said, don't worry, after a while, you'll just get used to it. And the pastor responded, I know, that's why I'm crying. We can't sit around watching and waiting for something to happen that, that we're called to do. Uh, it's one of those things like, for me, it's like when I, when I think about what the call is here for, for our area, for, for Divine and Natalia and Lytle, what is the call that God has on our lives for this area, for this county, for this community? See, we can't give up. That's what that pastor was doing. He's like, hey, you'll just get used to it. You shouldn't. Your heart should break the way that, that Christ's heart breaks. Now on Monday, as we, as we look at Monday, they begin to, to cleanse the temple. This is when Jesus goes in, and the, the reason why he's going in and cleansing the temple, now remember, this is the second time that he's done this. He's done this before. And, and they were charging up to 20 times more the expense, so... You would pay on the outside for a turtle dove or a pair of doves uh, four pieces of, of, uh, of silver. But in, in the temple, you would pay 20 times the amount. You'd pay more than 20 times the amount. And that's what Jesus was upset about because they had, they had turned the temple into a marketplace. And because they had turned the temple into a marketplace, the Gentiles couldn't even go in to worship in that area. They weren't allowed because of the market. So they kept people from coming to worship. In Luke chapter 19, verses 45, it says, And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of, of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything that they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. I read that scripture this week and I thought to myself, there's two things that stood out to me. Is, is when you look at the scripture, this is the, he's done this before. Meaning that we have stuff that happens in our life that Jesus has tried to cleanse and you allow back into your life again. And guess what? Jesus is going to come back in and cleanse it again. 
He's not going to allow it to stay there. It's like he cleansed the temple. He had righteous anger. I always say, all of us think we have righteous anger. We don't. Because eventually that anger is going to turn into wrath. We don't have that type of control like Jesus did. And, and you go, well, why was he doing this? It, it goes back to the Word of God. It goes back to the book of Isaiah. It said this was going to happen. And we also know in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was dealing with the same thing. Nehemiah had, had left and then comes back to, uh, to Jerusalem and, and he finds out that they, they started marrying, intermarrying again. And not only intermarrying, the children had forgotten the language. They couldn't speak Hebrew anymore. And it only took like seven years for this to happen. And they went right back to the sin because there's this wonderful picture of them opening God's Word with Ezra. And they confess their sins and they, they turn from their sins. And what do they do? They go right back to the same stuff again. And he, I, I, love, I love him because Nehemiah points them right back to the Word of God and Nehemiah 13, 26, he said, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? They did, he did the same thing. You should learn from that. Yet among many nations, there, were, uh, there was no king like him who was beloved of, of his God, and God made him a king over Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused him to sin. Should we hear of your doing all the great evil transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? And one of his sons of uh, Jehoadan, the son of Elishib, uh, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat, the Horonite. Therefore, I drove him from me. And what he's talking about, he's like, even the priest had intermarried. The priest, the Levite, he's not supposed to do that. And so again, what, what, what Jesus is doing as he comes into the temple, it's like it's the same thing he needs to do with us as we should be moving towards holiness. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's grace-driven. And it's a godliness, a prayer of obedience to Scripture, of faith, and we delight in the Word of God. But what happens is we drift the same way that Jesus is going back in the temple, we drift. We allow compromise, and we call it tolerance. Right? We drift from disobedience, and we call it what? Freedom. We drift towards superstition, and we do what? We call it faith. We cherish the undiscipline of, of lost self-control, and, and we call it relaxation. We start and stop praying and we delude ourselves thinking we can escape legalism and we slide right into godlessness and we convince ourselves that we're liberated as Christians and this is what progressive Christianity is all of those I don't know what Teresa was flipping through the channels the other day and CMT music awards were on and they were Almost like a we are the world thing that w they were singing. And they were singing about whatever you believe in, whatever book you believe in, whatever you don't believe in, whatever God you believe in, or whatever God you don't believe in, we need to pray. I'm like, if you don't believe in God, who are you praying to? And this is Nashville. 
It used to never be like that. But that's what's happened is Nashville has become the base for progressive Christianity. And, and it's, unfortunately, it's pop music today. It's not the country I, I remember my granddaddy listening to. And it's sad because we see the, this, this godlessness and this, uh, this thought of I can just do what I need to do and just get away with it. And what happens is we begin to drift. And one of the things I love about that scripture is, is that Jesus draws us to what? His word. Because he says to them what? It is written. It is written. And Isaiah 56, 7, it says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for all uh, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And yet they were keeping away the Gentiles from coming in and worshiping. So the first thing he does is he refers them back to the Word of God. Why? Because he is the Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as only the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I gave you this verse on Sunday in Revelation 19, 13. He is clothed in robes, dipped in, in blood, and the name by which He is called, the Word of God. He points them back to the Word of God. It is written. And then what is the other thing he says? My house should be a house of prayer. That's what the church is supposed to be. And I've said it before, one of the least attended <laughs> uh, things that are attended in the church is when you have congregational prayer. And I was at, I'm not saying this church, we've been really blessed that people come on Wednesday to pray. I've been at, uh, my other church and, and it's been four of us to come together and pray and, and it's been neglected and it's not only been neglected by the church it's being neglected by the body of Christ the church is supposed to be seeking God through prayer I mean he takes time to pray Jesus does it multiple times in scripture where he goes to himself and he prays. Remember what he tells the, the disciples in Luke chapter 22, verses 24? And the dispute also arose among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now they're arguing, one of the things that, that tripped me out about that is they're arguing about who's the greatest and then they're going to fall asleep when they're supposed to be praying with Jesus. See, everyone thinks they have a plan until you get punched in the face. That's what Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And what he means by that is you think you're stronger than you are. You get in the ring and you get with your opponent. And when that bell rings, the moment that you're punched in the face, face is when your faith is either real or not. And C.S. Lewis wrote this after his, his wife died. 
He says, when we find ourselves in these situations, what we find is that the temple that we thought was our faith is nothing more than a house of cards. That's why that, ver that, that quote is so important. You know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's like everybody thinks they can do UFC until you get in the ring. And you get hit. And that's what life does. It hits. And so our, our, our life has to be, if we're going to be believers in Christ, that means we, we follow with all. It's everything. He told us to leave it all. To pick up the cross and, and die to ourselves. And, and one of the things that I, I, I pray is that, that we would be prayer warriors. That this would be a house of prayer. And you go, Mike, this is the VFW. It doesn't matter. Do you not think there are people that come in all these chairs to play bingo that need Jesus? That are in the bar that need Jesus? We need to be praying for them. And trust me, my dad lived in a bar. Always drinking. Until he got punched in the face. And he came to know God. He thought he was stronger than he was. In Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46, it says, And he came out and, and went out as, as accustomed to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to, to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, there's one reason you should be praying. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and praying, saying, Father, if, it, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will be, not my will, but your wills be, be done. And there he appeared to him, an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from the prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I can't get that word out tonight. Temptation. That's twice he's telling them to pray so you don't enter into what? Temptation. When Jesus repeats something, ask for us. When we're in the Word of God and you see something repeated, you need to pay attention to it. Pray so you don't enter into temptation. I will not get that word out tonight. And we need, to be, we need to be preparing ourselves because the enemy does come to steal, kill, and destroy. And there has to be that spiritual preparation because life is going to hit. I've told you all that before. Somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to die. Some, the car's going to break down. Mike's did that today. And you get that wonderful $1,700 bill. It kicks. <laughs> you have to be ready for it. You need to be ready for that, that spiritual preparation. So you do that with prayer. And I love that Jesus, Jesus does that, but they, just think about it. They were arguing about what? Who's the greatest? And what's going to happen with Peter? 
He's going to deny Christ. Right? And they're arguing about who's the greatest. He's going to fall into sin. What's going to happen to the disciples? They're going to scatter. On Tuesday, the, the controversies with the Jewish leaders begin. And so they're, they're... The other thing, just real quick before we stop there, there was something in that verse that really stuck out to me. In Luke chapter... Um, let me pull that back up again. Because I love... There was something in there that I highlighted. In Luke chapter 19, verse 48. Right? And so what is Jesus doing? He's teaching... And what are they doing? But they did not find anything they could do, right? So they're trying to destroy him, the chief priests and the scribes. For all the people were hanging on his words. I highlighted that. Like when you open God's word, are you hanging on his words? Are you waiting to hear from him? And then we get into Tuesday, and, and Tuesday begins the, the joy of, of dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. So Jesus has to deal with not only the attacks, but they're wanting to kill him. And they challenge him. Uh, they, they challenge him on subjects like marriage. They challenge him on heaven, paying taxes to Caesar. And then they challenge him on whose authority does he have and they're trying to trip him up every chance they get and they can't trip him up and when we get into the book of mark we'll actually go into a couple of things because you have the Olivet discourse that happens talking about end times and then we'll deal with all these parables that are going to come into this but the main thing that i want you to get from tuesday is the seven woes from the pharisees now why is this important for us as believers well it's important for us is that we shouldn't be religious God has called us to a relationship if we're religious we're no different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees when we start uh, pushing legalism and start pushing a religion on people we're, we're no different than them it says and, and you can read this in Matthew chapter 23 it says then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciple saying the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that uh, observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. What is the old saying that our parents say? I'm trying to remember it because I say it all the time because the, the, the left does it all the time. Do as I say, not as I do. That's what they're doing, right? Do as I say, not as I do. For they, they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their, of their fingers. But all their works they do be seen by men. They, they make their uh, phylacterines, I, I know I was going to mess that up, phylacterines, there it is, broad and enlarge their borders of their garments. So what is that? It's a... Uh, it's actually a, a, a leather box that they would have hanging on their, their robes with Scripture. And they would have them there as, as portions of their Scripture or their prayer. And they wore them just kind of, hey, we're, we're, we're carrying the Word of God with us. 
right? And it says, and they loved the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplace, and, they, and, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on, on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is on heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Uh, but he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. So he's showing you like Christ is a servant of all. He came to serve, not be served, right? In the book of Mark. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then we go into the woes. He says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in and so what he's saying is like you condemn people from going to heaven why because he, he tells them that when he's weeping over jerusalem what happened they missed it in prophecy and he's pushing the, the scribes and the pharisees are doing what pushing people away from jesus well that concludes today's broadcast of sun salt and light radio we hope that you enjoyed it if you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us to find out service times you can do all of that at our website uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at spotify audible TuneIn radio pretty much wherever you can find a podcast uh, you you can just type in sun salt and light and you'll find it 